adversity, bring it. The struggle, I welcome it. Snooze on life, never that. I am Dave Regina, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. Welcome back, No Snooze Podcast, episode 157. As always, I'm in the booth with a different three. We have Rob Twiz joining us today. Uh, we have Claudio, the voice, Valenzuela, and I am Dave, the body, Regina. Before we get into the episode, I just want to introduce uh, Rob, actually a friend of mine. He's a rapper and musician from Yonkers, New York. He has garnished over 20 million views on YouTube. He's been featured on major platforms such as Hot 97, MTV's My Super Sweet 16, World Star Hip Hop, Sirius, and so much more. Um, his most recent release of If Not Now, Then When independently debuted at number 15 on the U.S. iTunes chart. That's not easy to do, my brother. Yes, that sounds sir. pretty good. You got a much better resume than I do. Uh, I don't know about that. The body. <laughs> I'm trying to get like the body. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely um, released with the best label in the world, TuneCore. Shout out to them. They're, they're for the indie people like myself. So, yeah, no, definitely proud of my accomplishments. And, um, yeah. Very cool. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Let's uh, Let's get into it. So, before we I, – I typically start from back to front, but I want to throw people – off because I like I like hearing things like this. But give yeah. us a fact that most people don't know about Rob Twist. A fact most p- people don't know about me. I mean, my private life is pretty private, which is why something I threw on here is about my personal career, mm-hmm. which, which is the supply chain poppy. Um, you know, I, I definitely take pride in my in my personal career outside of my music career as well. So um, yeah, it's just the fact that artists like myself can be debuting on iTunes, but still having a successful career on the side. Never right. knock that nine to five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a funner fact, let's see. Oh uh, man. Uh, I cook clean and do laundry. Hey. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, that's what I do. I, I, I'm like clockwork work. I hustle. I write. I keep myself together, hit the yep. gym and it's routine for me. That's so, cool, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um this supply chain poppy thing, because everybody yeah. knows you as the as the artist. Yeah. So what exactly are you doing in the supply chain? How did you how did you get into the supply chain? And yeah. what does that even what does it mean? Yeah, I mean, like I'm not gonna act like I had the hardest struggle in my life, but when I was working, you know, all this music stuff, the music game is tough. It's like trying to it, I don't know what's harder, music or getting into the NBA, honestly. Like it, <laughs> and, and it may be you may not feel that way because you see like a million artists or you see, um, you know, a lot of indie artists, a lot of people touring, a lot of records coming out, but there's still millions of artists who hustle. Mm-hmm. In the music industry, there's no retirement funds. There's no uh, insurance. There's not a lot going on. So I was like, yo, I got to As I'm chasing this, I got to get a career going. I was lucky enough catching on with this great company. And, um, you know, I took the role learning logistics and supply chain or whatnot. So um, it's actually a cookware company. And after COVID, when all the restaurants shut down, the company like quadrupled because people were just cooking at home or whatnot. But I've been with them for years. So I took advantage of the position, took advantage of the job and just said yes to everything and pretty much ended up, um, yeah, learning the supply chain game, 
Um, anybody knows getting shit in and out the country was tough for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I took pride in, I, I was hustling out here. I, I was making the connections, connecting the dots. Um, you know, I do a lot of warehouse management, inventory management that comes with that. So yeah, I'm, I'm all around the country with it. So I would say that yeah. that's probably the fact that most people don't know about, nah. about Rob Twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about culture. So Albanian and yeah. Croatian, yeah. right? The set, wow. So he threw up the, the Albanian so, flag. You know, yeah, oh, is that the flag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sheep right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of Albanian yeah. by association. <laughs> He's definitely Albanian by association. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Shout out Kostriot and Dritan <laughs> and Jimmy Gemma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's funny is so. Both my parents are Albanian, and my mom is like 25% Croatian. Okay. Oh, excuse me, 50% Croatian. So it makes me 75% Albanian, 25% Croatian. Okay. But the way it was mixed up back then, it was former Yugoslavia. Yeah. So I grew up like learning just speaking Yugoslavian. I didn't know, like, I kind of lost any Albanian that I knew. Mm -hmm. And I, to this day, for some reason, I just know my Croatian fluently. But I'm primarily Albanian with some Croatian in me. Okay. But what what's the biggest yeah. difference? Uh, it's a massive difference. Yeah, yeah. Give me yeah. something. I don't. I, I don't know. I know. I know Albanian culture. Yeah. I don't really know Croatian. Um, just language wise or just culture wise? Just culture wise. Like what what's the what's the uh, typical food in Croatia? Like I know Albania. I love yeah. you know the the typical meats and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Croatia. I don't really. I don't know anything about. I it. mean, at, culture wise, they're very similar as far as what you know food and stuff you know they all got their pita versus uh burek or um their cheeses their come on know, get yeah, croatian yeah, on me baby there's, there's little feta cheese action going on <laughs> um yeah they, it's very similar food very similar lifestyle but i will say i guess out of popularity and just off of tourism croatia has um been a little more independent and a little more of a popular area to mm -hmm. go to maybe because yep. it was closer to Italy. Or I, I, I don't know what really drove it. They're still not on the Euro. They're on Kuna. So maybe like the financially going there is still okay. a little bit cheaper and easier. Yep. Um, people do the whole yacht week thing, pulling up to Croatia type of yes, thing. You know? yes. So I, it just got a little more popular, I guess, as far as um, just the world goes right now. Yep. Albania is still a little more in the cut. I went to Montenegro um, this past summer. It was still, um, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Everything by the water is beautiful. I'm talking by the country. My dad's from the country. I mm -hmm. went to visit where he grew up. I went to visit his exact shack where my cousins still all own it and they live yep. there. So, but I wanted to see like the countryside. It's still like third world. I mean, there's one street in, one street out, no yep. st stop signs, no street lights, dirt roads. Um, it's like that in certain parts of Europe, but like uh, I think Albania and Montenegro still have a lot of, um, upcoming i guess uh construction and and renovations that they're probably working on opposed to whereas croatia has a lot um it's a little more tourist friendly and the people there are in croatia not i'm not trying to start a war over here <laughs> i am uh, yeah. i am i'm gonna i'm gonna uh i'm gonna uh, yeah. i got some questions for you here, after here, go ahead here here's a funny thing for example i went to croatia i, I go pretty frequent and um you go there and you know people are very like uh, they try to speak english to you they're very like tourist welcoming and, <laughs> and, and, you know it's cool they 
They got a smile on their face. I go to a five-star hotel in Montenegro. The waiters start scrapping with each other. <laughs> they, they don't give a fuck. They, they don't care about how, how the guests are. Like, they had an issue with each other. Boom. Pop this dude in the nose. <laughs> in a five-star resort. This was the best place they had to offer. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> if you try to speak English to them? Nah, they're dead looking in your face speaking Albanian. or <laughs> yeah, They're not here to accommodate you. They're like, yeah, it's a beautiful place, but yeah. they still want it for themselves, I think. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. All right. Quick question. Yeah. Who has more swag, Albanians or Croatians? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> swag, yeah. You know, I'll give it to the Albanians. Yeah. The Albanians? Yeah. It's probably still... a smart move for your nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my, nose, my nose is crooked, if yeah. you couldn't tell. I think Kostya punched me in the face a couple times. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Nobody's listening. Yeah. So who has prettier women? Albania or Croatia. <laughs> so I'm going to get my fan base cut in half. Um, I'm going to sound biased as well, but I think Albanians. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And look, I have, I'm primarily Albanian. I have three yeah. sisters. They're all beautiful. So yeah, okay. I give it to them. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good. 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 I like that. So you, you're holding something in your hand. Yeah. Uh, what, what are we holding in our hand? I come bearing gifts because to me, being on this podcast is a gift. Um, me having any of these experiences and memories is a nice milestone as well. Um, and just, you know, I appreciate the offer. So I just came with a little something, something to, you know. Can I open it here? Yeah. yeah open what is it? Right it? here. Wow, <laughs> this is fire, CB. Look at this. A little no snooze uh, street. No snooze nice street. Accessory. Oh. I like accessory that. Look at that right there. Yeah. I think you're the first one to show up with a gift. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, shout out my boy Richie Seeker. He actually, oh, that's right. He gave, a, gave us the dope. flag. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this will go right there, man. Let's this is, there, this yeah. is dope. Hold on. Let me put it up right now. It's the little things in life, right? Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Our studio slowly coming together. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, so we talked a little culture. Yeah. How? I guess take me from take me from the beginning, man. Like, what was what was a young Rob Twiz doing? How'd you get into music? A uh, little fi family dynamic. You said you had three sisters. Give yeah. us a, a little background about yourself. Yeah. Um, I was born in the Bronx, but I grew up in Yonkers my entire life. I just moved out of Yonkers um, this year. And I'm still there every single day because yep. I'm just so associated with things there and I still go to the gym there. Just mm -hmm. all my friends are there. Um, shit, I'm even considering going back. I don't even know. <laughs> Not that I love it, but it's um, yep. just it, it was my life for my entire life. I'm 33. I'm from Mount Vernon, so yeah. very close. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Yonkers and, you know, like I said, three sisters, my immigrant parents who came from Montenegro and Croatia, started up in the Bronx. And, you know, we just parked up in Yonkers. So, um, yeah, growing up there was interesting. A young Rob Twiz. I started doing music already since I was 15. What happened was I played, you know, soccer. I played some sports my whole life. But I remember just being trapped indoors in the winters. It's like, I just don't want to get in trouble. Anytime I go outside, you know, we we're, we didn't have computers until like yep. a little later in, yep. in our lives. And I was just like... Anytime I'm outside, I feel like it's trouble. Like <laughs> the thing is, my parents they hustled. I, my dad's not around. My mom's still around. They both work two, three jobs. Same immigrant story. Um, my dad worked construction all day. He was a doorman at night. So I, he was just hustling. My man would live off of like two hours of sleep. So he was no snooze, and he was like grinding his whole life. So to me, I thought that was normal, and I, I always felt like, damn, I finished school. I finished 
well, like I finished school for the day. I finished sports. I'm like, what am I, what else am I supposed to do? Like this guy's working. I'm supposed to be doing something. Right. (laughs) And my mom, she's hustling, coming home like seven, 8 PM. My grandma's raising me. And I'm like, I got to do, I I don't know. So getting to my point, their priority was always working and they made sure like we had a house Mm -hmm. and for them owning a house was such a big deal. Like instead of growing up in like certain uh, projects in certain areas that mm-hmm. were, we were close to. So I was always like that kid in a house. And I felt like it, it's so, so very simple. But for example, down the street, it's just hood as fuck. I'm not going to lie. Where I'm from, it's just hood. But I was up the street and I was in a nice house. So when a kid from the nice house always went down the street, it was always like a a, a judgment there. And I was always kind of getting into some issues or felt like I was um, even though I went to school there, even though I had friends there, it was always just like, oh, he's the rich kid from up the street. Gotcha. And it was, not that. it was not that. So I was like, you know what? I started noticing like I'm getting into some shit. Um, and it just wasn't like what I was loving being around. I I, I was a good, uh, I read the room pretty good. I felt as a youngin. So got in a few situations and I was like, yeah, I don't think this is doing anything for me. I'm not really making money. I'm not doing much. So I just started like, uh, I don't know how it came about. I think I had a neighbor who had like um, some, it was called Sony Acid, this program that you just produce beats. So I was like, I'm just going to try doing this myself. And I was just a fan of music in general. And, and Yonkers, like, you know, the lock, Steve Lock was coming up heavy in, in the 2000s. Favorite. All time. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite of all time. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it was just like the thing to do in, in school. People were, Everything was about hip hop. Everything was, you know, banging on the lunch tables. Um, so it was very associated in my life. Big G unit head, everything mm-hmm. I would wear. Uh, I got in my first fight in sixth grade with a, like <laughs> with these 12th graders because I had G unit sneakers on. And they were trying to cook. <laughs> and the tank top? And, and, not, not tank top. I, I, I was like 4'11 still in sixth grade. <laughs> but um, it was just everything in my life was like hip hop oriented. My yeah. older sister loved hip hop and we had a big age gap. So um, she, she just um, introduced me to it. So I don't know. I just wanted to play around. Uh, like it, it was 15, I was 15. It's the winter. It was cold outside. It was dark. I wanted to stay in. And I just became a, a producer head. And I just taught myself, self-taught in the crib. Got nicer with it, nicer with it. And I just started enjoying it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this, do this on the side. Um, just as something extra as I, just to enjoy. And if it gets me somewhere, it gets me somewhere. And I'm going to keep rambling. I'm going to keep going. But eventually it got me somewhere when MySpace fucking popped up. And I was like, let me see how it sounds when I release something to the <laughs> yep. public or whatever. Because yep. you can think you're good to yourself. Right. Then you put something out, you know, and people are just, you'll know if you're ass or not. And that's how you improve too. <laughs> yep. So that was kind of like the the snowball effect. I just went from self-taught to people got around in school. Oh, I heard you rap. And, you know, you start doing those little battles, mm-hmm. just like a lot of artists probably get started. And then I just something, I was like, you know what, as young and I like the attention a little bit. Um, it was my, I was kind of shy. So it was the first time I was getting some like eyes from these yep. certain girls and yep. shit like that. So yeah. I was like, you know what, I kind of like this. And then, um, you know, that, that was kind of the snowball effect. And I kept going from there. Wow. That's yeah. very cool, man. Um, so you basically took that though, so, so I could relate. Um, one, I can't relate to attention. I hate attention. <laughs> um, so I could relate to the to the piece where you kind of felt like 
you knew you were from there, but you almost felt out of place a little bit. So I played basketball growing up in Mount Vernon. Um, not many white people were in Mount Vernon playing ball at that time. Um, so I can really, really relate to that. But now you took it even a step further and said, you know what? Now I'm going to rap on top of this, oh, which man. which back then probably, yeah. I mean, you had Eminem, obviously, right? Because yeah. he's one of my favorite rappers yeah. of all time, too. Definitely has to be top five uh, for me. Yeah. But so how... How did you like just move forward with that? Because you're you're building confidence basically in the crib, mm -hmm. you're self-taught. Mm -hmm. But for you to really step out and be like, all right, so now I'm coming from this nice house, what people think. Yeah. And I'm gonna rap on top of it. How yeah. did you get kickback from that? Oh, hell yeah, man. I mean, I had to learn the hard way, which was good because I like where I grew up. It gave me a real good balance. Um, I don't I don't judge people who didn't grow up and uh, who have who, people who have more blessings, you know, right. congrats to them, yep, whatever. Yep. But I didn't have it. And growing up in the public school system there, I learned everything the hard way. And I'll, I'll say it right now. Um, it's funny you say this and I, people are going to probably think I'm fucking crazy, but I was one of the first newer white rappers coming up. At one point, there was not many people. There was, and I'm sure around the world, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about like, at least in the tri-state, at least in the United States, there wasn't a lot of people who were releasing music that were still, you know, white, even though some people say, hey, Albania, you're not white. There was specific artists that were coming up on MySpace, on charts that were making some noise. And, you know, I, it was like myself, Chris Webby, this kid, Sammy Adams, this kid, um, uh, Mac Miller, of course. And, and then there was a massive wave uh, probably because of Mac Miller and probably be just because the digital era, mm -hmm. you know, pushed that. But coming up, there was not many artists. So I had my friend who was already, um, my boy Blink, he, my, my Dominican boy, he was out there already like uh, making music, already performing, doing the talent shows and all that. And he was like, yo, you got to put yourself, put, put yourself out there or it's kind of pointless type of thing. He's like, do a show with me. And I was like, ah, you know, we'll see. Figure it out. <laughs> so I started, um, the music I started making, instead of just putting it digitally, I was like, I have to, I'm already kind of outside. Yonkers is fucking huge. Mm -hmm. I'm on the south side of Yonkers. People, I'm not, no, not to knock, like I said, I, Yonkers is huge and they got their shit everywhere, but I'm from the south side of Yonkers and um, people I'm, I was with, there's a lot of people doing music as well. So I would go to their hood. I would start rapping. Any freestyles, I would memorize the same like one sixteen bar verse <laughs> and go from street to street and be like, "Yo, you guys want to hear me?" <laughs> and a, a lot of times, people are like, "Oh shit, that yeah, like, yeah. Wh where's this coming from?" From this kid, I go to pizzeria. Oh, and here's my mixtape. Here's my mixtape. I just back in the day when CDs existed, yep. just print out a stack of five hundred, just giving it out, giving it out, giving it out. Like the only and you money you printed I had, them in your house. Printed them in my wow. house. I had a neighbor who had a, a CD printer. He was just helping me with that shit. Um, so I'll go on every street rap the same verse every time. I would say I had about a 95% success rate until I went to the wrong street once. <laughs> and they're like, are you really living the shit that you're saying? <laughs> and then I was like, ah, damn. I said, I could. <laughs> and, uh, I, and it, but it really was a good reality check for me because I was like popping off and I uh -huh. was saying some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, all these gum bars and all this shit. <laughs> and mind you, I'm still... At that point, I'm still like 16. I didn't hit my growth spurt till I was like 17. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, it backfired once. I, I had like 20 dudes chasing me down the street. They're like, don't don't fucking come here saying that shit unless you're about that shit and whatever. Oh, boy. And, yeah, and I was like, all right, cool. It was a fun experience. Cool. You know, I still never got bopped. Nobody robbed me. Nobody did nothing to me. Nobody nothing. Whatever. It's all learning experience. But it helped me actually realize like, I don't have to copy a, a Jadakiss or D-Block. Mm -hmm. I, I have to start finding out what works for me. And then I was like, 
kind of got a little confidence that summer. I was like, I kind of feel like I look a little cute. Let me make some lady <laughs> records and shit, okay. some club records, some all this shit to um, getting trendy and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I tra transitioned into that. But I was same thing in the street, handing out CDs, rapping as much as I could. And for the most part, people were just like, oh, you know, if you're a nice guy, they ain't going to fuck with you. Yeah, yeah. I, you come through with respect or whatever. But sometimes, it, you know, <laughs> it ain't work out like That's that. That's cool, man. No, I, I yeah. think the, um, you know, I, so we're the same age. You're 33? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be 34. But the old school skills, I feel like, and even with uh, CV and I do professionally, we work with a lot of youth. They don't have this hustle and this grind and this mindset of like, you know, we didn't know any better, right? So you had to get outside and promote yourself. Yeah. Now it's all social media, which is a great outlet. But I feel like our generation is, you know, probably more successful and will still be more successful yeah. than some of these kids who don't apply the old school mindset of getting outside and really showing yourself and, and putting in that hard work every single yeah. day. Um, that's no joke, man. That's that's a cool story. I, I didn't know any any of that about you. And that's yeah. why I love doing these podcasts. Yeah. Um and like I like I said to you guys off off air, my ass sat in traffic for two hours and fifteen minutes this morning, man. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I went down that rabbit hole of that negativity. Like, damn, you know, I'm gonna be late. So first thing I did was I texted you guys, just saying, listen, let's let's make it uh, ten o'clock instead of nine thirty, uh, which was a big lesson for me because I'm stressed. I hate being late. Right. I think it's disrespectful to people's time. I know time is limited. Um, but the fact after I sent that text message, kind of my worries went away because you guys both responded like, cool, no problem. And I think it's a little takeaway for people, because when you're rushing around and you're so anxious and you have a big meeting to get to or something like that, what's the worst that could happen? Right. If you give somebody some advance and you just say, yo, listen, I'm going to yeah. be a little bit late. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. You know, and, and that for me, I, I stress about that nonsense all the time. But my point is, I was so excited to to get to know your story and, yeah. and hear about you. Um, what would you say is the, um, I guess, the biggest hurdle that you've had to had to get over in life? So the, the no snooze mindset, right, is really applicable to any career. Um, obviously, the first thing you see in the morning is that snooze button. So we believe that you have two options on your life, right? You could go back to sleep, sleep on your dreams and aspirations, or you could get up wake up and attack everything that you do. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is overcoming adversity, yeah. right? What would you say in your life has been the biggest biggest hurdle to to overcome? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I've had a lot of hurdles. I don't ask for pity. I don't ask for nothing from anybody. But I, depending on what we're looking at, whether it's career-wise or it's music-wise or it's personal-wise, I definitely have a lot of hurdles. Um, uh, let me... I mean, definitely the toughest emotional day-to-day -day one was when my father passed away. That was, like, tough. I know everybody got to deal with it eventually, but, um, you know. When, it, when was that? When did he pass That away? was in uh, 2021, April wow. 2021. Wow. Yeah. Rest in peace. Man. Yeah. It, it was a tough one because, I, you know, I'm, I found him, and it was just an emotional thing in my head, and um, it's just not something I was ready for. It was not something that we knew was going to happen. So that was definitely tough for me where it kind of dragged out my creative process as well not because a lot of people are like oh put your emotions into your music and, mm -hmm. and and use it to your benefit it's like it don't work that way when you're in that deep hole and you don't just like hey let me use my dad's death as a motivation to rap right. like bro it's like rap don't even fucking matter for a few for a, a while type yep. of thing so just getting over that hurdle and getting routine back in my life same thing no excuse every day what I learned with fitness too, because I mean, I'm 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 in the gym like clockwork. I and, see you, boy. Yeah, Those pull-ups are looking good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my nickname ain't Big Body, but um, but it, it's mine's a, not either. Don't worry. <laughs> I gave myself the nickname. It's it's like it's more of a mental thing. It's yep. getting that routine. It's getting that discipline. It's just um, 
making sure you accomplish something for the day. So just making sure I had that in my life again was mm -hmm. probably one of the best things and hardest things to get to. And um, yeah, uh, that was definitely a big mental hurdle. Music yeah. hurdle wise is kind of what we were saying. I always felt like I was, to this day sometimes, I always felt like I was in this gray area in music. Like I what. I came up, like we said, loving Jadakiss, loving Cassidy, loving mm -hmm. all these artists who were just like punchlines and metaphors and all this shit. I felt like I wasn't hood enough to get that respect, that which yeah. I wasn't even really chasing, but I just respected the community. Like I love battle rap. I love all this stuff. And it just really, I even, I, fun fact that nobody knows, I was on 106 in Park Freestyle Friday wow. one year. They ended up, the whole season ended up failing and tanking and no episodes got aired that year. But I made some great networking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so fun experience. But like, I just loved battle rap. I love all that shit. But when I, I took a few label meetings in my life, uh, major labels and stuff, and their whole side was like, oh, try to push like a Disney character out of me. And like, I didn't have that side to me either where I was like. What do uh, they mean by that? What, what, like I, rap I would about show Mickey them Mouse like, or what? Yeah, it, it, it was just like it was just like, um, why don't you rap about how you love your family and like Barney? It's like, uh, yeah, and, and it just didn't really work for me either. Yeah. So I, I've been That's like funny. in this in between where I'm like, I'm not trying to make like street music because then it came with problems. Yeah, it's yeah, like, of course, it just did. And even though I did make that music and I, I was in that, in that area i guess it just was also like all right let me make fun music and then, mm -hmm. um it was just kind of finding that balance and feeling like i've been in the gray area um yeah and kind of just saying you know what fuck it i'm just gonna make what i like to make mm -hmm. what's honest to me um yeah and just yeah. dealing with with it that way no that's, that's dope man um what other music inspirations besides rapping right like so when I grew up, I mean, my mom was always blasting Celine Dion, mm -hmm. Diana Ross, um, oh, yeah. like, you know, That's different funny. different um, genres of, yeah. of music that really, I believe, put me on to, you know, I have a yeah. little rhythm for a white boy. Yeah. I got to admit myself, you know, my two-step <laughs> is, is, is popping. Um, but even now, like, on my way here, I told you guys, I was singing Fast Car by yeah. Luke Combs. Yeah. Um, I happen to think that I sound just like him. Other people <laughs> may disagree, yeah. but I'm always curious in the yeah. rap game, has there, was there other inspiration that provided you, you know with what you are today? Yeah, you know what's funny? People always tell me like, oh, what did you listen to growing up? My dad only listened to uh, Albanian music. Only he would pop in VHS tapes and watch Albanian music videos. That's wow. all I grew up on. I had no music aside from them when my sister got older. Um, but on my mom's side, it's funny you said Diana Ross. I mean, that's sentimental to me. That's the only concert she's ever been to in her life. Uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes is the yep. only thing I heard outside of Albanian music. And then I just started, you know, doing my own um, investigation and learning where the music come from. I, I got big into doo-wop music. I love 50s, 60s, 70s. I love Frankie Valli. I, all I listen to is, um, you know, Bloodstone, uh, uh, OJ is like I just love that music. It's a different soul inside mm -hmm. of me. So, well, like when I, I'm working out and I'm getting a pump, I'm probably listening to like um, some Frankie Valli or something. <laughs> yeah. silly. You know, I, I love you know as we got older in the '90s when things transition. You know, I loved Madonna as mm -hmm. well. Um, whatever my sister would listen to, I kind of just all that like '90s pop music that yep. came out. Um, yeah, so I kind of just explored myself. Cause it was only Albanian music and mind you, I barely spoke it. So yeah. I, it would just be, yeah, I, I was just, just like old school VHS tapes from yeah. like the eighties and shit. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. Um, but country, like 
Shit, I don't know if it's like when you go through a hard time, you start appreciating country Dude. more. But I don't know what it is, but I love country music right now. Right? Yeah. I, and, and for me, I can I can relate so much. And I live on a lake. So every 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 country <laughs> song country, is talking yeah. about my my yeah. Bud Light, my lake, yeah. you know, my oh man, I, it, yeah. it really does bring me brings me like happiness, and I don't know why. And now also I listen to like um you know some worship music too, yeah. and it just puts me in music is an incredible thing, man. Like I love rap, right? I love hip hop, I love R and B, but these these other genres they they. Every genre, I feel like for me personally, brings me a different emotion, right? Yeah, so yeah. like sometimes if I am hyped, yeah, I want to put on some some yeah, hip hop. Yeah. But then other times I'm just chilling. I'm a little, you know, in my mm -hmm. feelings. I'm not feeling right. Yeah. And I throw something completely different on, which I think yeah. is so cool about music. Yeah. And I love that you can respect all the other genres too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you some TMI right now. When I'm in the shower, I'm only listening to R&B. I got to crank <laughs> it. I love it. It just gives me my peace. Yeah. When, I'm, when I'm cruising, or I, it, it, it's funny how... I probably actually saying it out loud. I'm just noticing now on a late night shift when I'm cruising, I'm listening to the country. Really? Um, like you said, when I want to get hyped up for the gym, sometimes I change it to something more. Yep. Up pace. It depends how I feel. It depends how the day's treating yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm only doing cardio for the day, which is barely because I don't really believe in it, <laughs> I, I have something a little more peaceful. But um, yeah, it, I love country music, and I think you know what kind of drew me to it. In hip hop, they try to like limit people. Like, oh, you're 33 and you didn't make it yet. You're still rapping. What are you immature? Like, nah, it, it kind of goes like I still get that to this day. Sometimes, like, oh, you're still in your rap phase or something like that. I'm like, Doug, I'm happy with my success and I right. love it. Yeah. You know, or they're like, oh, you didn't make it by a certain age. They think like you kind of passed your opportunity. Whereas in country or in any other genre, especially when an artist has one hit, they're glorified for the rest of their life. Right. You're not looking at. Luke Combs, or you're not looking at like uh, any other older artist or whatever mm -hmm. who's even older, as in my age, and thinking like, oh, uh, you know, why is he still making music? It's right. just like these artists are on tour for the rest of their life off of one record. You're not seeing Chingy still tour off of Right There or something because <laughs> yeah. people just don't respect the genre as much. Mm -hmm. So I started gearing towards country, and I it actually helped me based on the lyrics for most artists. It helped me feel like um, tap into a more mature side on my side anyway, not to say like hip hop had immature side, but it made me realize all right, I can make grown folk music too mm -hmm. and and kind of put some more pain music into it. Mm -hmm. And um, I started making a few country records too, which really? I'm probably going to start releasing soon. Yeah, just experimenting and stuff. You're, you're yeah. looking for a, a guy? Yeah, I think I got no, a guy. Listen, if I you got a guy, it, man, I'm telling you. I heard you got a fast car. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> um, so you've done, you've done work with some pretty pretty big artists, man. Uncle yeah. Murder specifically, yeah, who I yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. Um, how was that experience? Like, what, what is that What is that like? Are you in the studio yeah. with him? Like Me and Castro, I pulled up to him in the studio. Really? In New York, yeah. Pulled up to the studio. I wanted that one-on-one -on -one type of experience. Yeah, um, it was cool. I mean, usually what, like in that specific song, I had my record done already and it was kind of more of a remix. So I, I was like, I, I like this record. I know he could probably improve it or make it better mm -hmm. or give it that extra New York hit I wanted for it. So yeah, yeah I pulled up on him. Um, a lot of artists, I was in, been in the studio with Jadakiss, been in the studio with all D-Block folks. I'm not saying I'm over here working with them and shit like yeah, that, yeah. but I've been in the studio and I got to experience and see some of their work ethic. Um, Talk about that a little bit, because a lot yeah. of people, you know, when you when you don't know music, you think you just like get in there, you're getting high, you're drinking the whole time, which could be a piece of it at times oh. for people. Right. Yeah. But there is a serious work ethic behind this. There's a structure. There's a discipline yeah. to really make it, especially somebody like like Jadakiss. And yeah. then on that end, I think of like somebody like Diddy. 
who oh, is yeah. I mean that's that's next level, right? But you don't get to these these places without a work ethic. So can oh. you talk about some of those experiences? Yeah, I mean, just what I, you saw with yeah, them. no. Even I was like 16 in the studio. I did a track with another D Block artist back in the day. His name was Bully. Um, and because we, we were all just from Yonkers or whatever, mm -hmm. they have one studio there. That's the studio go to, D Block yep. Studio. Just so happened when I'm there, Jadakiss walks in, and of course it's like, oh, yeah, know, it's like <laughs> the guy. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, these motherfuckers will smoke for two hours. <laughs> but, but when it's when it's grind time, I mean, it was just crazy that he. Everybody has their own, I guess, way they work. Some people work so slow and it's just like it'd take me weeks to write a song or something. I guess once you click, it clicks and, you know, being able to see somebody clicking and get in the booth mm -hmm. or even like, you know, I've heard countless stories with Styles P where he pulled up on my, my a couple of my boys got him on records and shit. And they're like, yo, he went in the studio, didn't heard the beat once and lay the whole verse down. And it's just wow. it's fucking impressive. And yeah, there's yeah. a different talent. Some people are better at freestyling. Some people are better songwriters. I feel like I'm a better songwriter. Um, some people just got it like that, where they probably mm -hmm. got the full package, like a Styles P who's been in this for his entire life. And he just goes in there and he does his own shit. Yep. And it's just crazy to watch and experience. Very cool. Yeah. I've been around, I've been to over 50 recording studios from the best of the best, from the Rough Riders to where Fat Joe made his biggest records to the smallest hole in the walls. And um, it's been almost a different experience every time. And really, no snooze studios happens to be the best that you've yeah. ever been at, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got a nice setup here. I yeah. like it. Yeah. No, thank you, man. No, that's dope. I, I'm always curious to to yeah. hear about that type of stuff. Um, you have a track called uh, what is it, Adam Sandler? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, uh -huh. and I remember seeing on Instagram and I and I hit you about it too, but it's so dope. I mean, he he reposted it. What yeah. where did the um the thought come from? Was it just like you liked his movies, you wanted to reenact it, throw a rap behind it? What was, is that? It was pretty funny. I So usually I book studio time in bulk and I um, do five hour shifts, 10 hour shifts, whatever. And I just ran through all the records one day and I was like, damn, I got nothing to do. I, I got mad time here left. I was like, yo, just let's just have fun with some shit. I wrote it like on the spot. I did the whole thing in like two takes or something, did a hook and I did the entire whatever in, in one take. And I was just like, all right, this is fun. It's kind of funny. Yep. And um, I don't know. I just, I like, I kind of do it with the ciphers where I name drop, I turn certain people's names into a punchline. Yep. Did it with like MMA ciphers, um, the Halloween ciphers that I do. So I was like, let me just do it about Adam Sandler. Yeah, he's definitely, I'm big into comedy. I love comedy. That's like two things I love outside of music is fighting and comedy. All I watch is UFC, MMA, shit, and stand-up comedy. So I just, I, of course, I grew up watching him in that time period. So I just had all his movies engraved in my head. And, you know, I just took five minutes to write the record. Yeah. And I would put pieces together. I was like, it would just be kind of funny if I do a quick video. Went to a golf course one day. I did not know the rules of a golf course. That shit was bad. <laughs> this guy was willing to fuck me up for doing donuts in the green. Oh. I didn't know like that oh. people take the My man was like 70 years old coming at me with a club and I had like 10 people with me and ready to whatever. I'm like, I'll fight a 70 year old dude. He's like, you gotta get the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. So I didn't know the rules. Of shooting did you record him? Yeah, but I didn't want no lawsuit shit. So yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, take that out. Um, so I just did the music video for fun, and I guess it it caught a lot of good traction for me. Yeah, man. Yeah. And he, he Adam Sandler ended up reposting it, right? Yeah, I give credit to my boy. So this is where networking comes on. The record was out for like a year already, 
And, you know, of course, I tagged him and stuff. Adam Sandler ain't on his fucking night. <laughs> he's, uh, he's outside playing ball right now in New yeah. York City, probably, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. working. So my boy was like, yo, he's he was in the music industry, too. Came up in Yonkers. Shout out to John Clash. He um he moved to Puerto Rico. And he's like, yo, you know, I'm having dinner with the real Happy Gilmore tonight. Because the movie was based on a real dude, Happy. And he was a real golfer. So he's like, yo, I'm going to show him your video. So he shows him the video during dinner and he he texts me. He's like, yo, he loves it. He's going to send it to Adam tonight. And I was like, yeah, okay. It was like 8 p.m. And I'm like, all right, good luck. You know, thank you for just sharing it. Thank you regardless. You know, I appreciate it. Literally, I woke up the next day. That shit was everywhere. <laughs> Happy hit me up, followed me, whatever. And, you know, I thanked him and he sent it to him. Adam directly posted it everywhere. I DM'd him after thanking him. You know, he's just like, of course, you know, whatever. And yeah. just, just try to keep a little something going. But um, but yeah, it was just the networking on that one. Like, and he loved he loved the record. They just wow. loved it. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a very cool story. And yeah. I didn't even realize, so I'm not a big movie guy, but I have seen Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I have, but I didn't realize when you were saying the real Happy Gilmore. Yeah. So he was actually sitting next to, he just happened to have dinner with the oh, real Happy Gilmore, yeah. who the movie was made after Adam Sandler played Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's bars right there. Yeah, we're <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> He's on your tracks. Oh, my God. That's incredible. We wanted to take a quick second to let you guys know that we partnered with our good friends over at Orgain.com. We're happy to offer our listeners 30% off by entering the code NOSNOOZE30. Again, that's NOSNOOZE30 for 30% off your first order. If you're on the market for a new protein powder, nutritional shake, protein bar, or Mike's favorite, collagen peptides, Orgain is your one-stop shop. As all of you know, my Crohn's disease is currently in remission, and the only protein I use is from Orgain. My personal favorites are the chocolate peanut butter and the vanilla bean. With the code, you can try a two-pound tub for under $20. Talk about not snoozing. Go get yours today. Now, back to the epi. Um, so talk a little bit about, like... I guess, marketing and positioning yourself in whether it's, you know, in this industry or any industry, um, I guess, give, give some background on how you, you got to be strategic about this stuff, yeah, right? Like yeah, you yeah. don't just, you don't just make it, you don't just amass 20,000 views. I mean, 20 million views on yeah. YouTube and, and, um, you know, hit all these, these major platforms. So what yeah. was like the, how did it start? And like, what was your position in doing that? It really comes down to, you know, there's some networking, there's some luck, there's uh, sometimes stars just fucking align for people. And sometimes you just have an opportunity and you got to take it or you don't take it. I said yes to everything. That was my best advice I ever got. My boy, he's um, stadium of operations president in New York, in, in the Yankee stadium. And I was young coming up and he was, I was like, how the fuck did you get this position type of thing? Like, how are you managing all of Yankee stadium? Like he was at that time probably 30 or something. I don't even know. He's like, bro, say yes to everything. Wow. And I know a lot of people say, learn how to say no. I get that. But when there's opportunities, say yes, and then you figure out how to do it. So um, I was just saying yes to pretty much everything. But definitely it's a lot of um, strategy to it as well. You don't, we put a lot of time and money into these things. Like I'm booking five hour blocks. I know I can mix and record myself at home too, sure. But um, I like where I work and I like the engineers I work with. So, you know, you're as an artist, you get paid last. You're, you're paying producers. Like I said, you could do a lot in-house and I, I can, but then that comes to more time. Is my time worth this money? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you, mm -hmm. you know the balance. 
point is, spend a lot of money as an artist. You pay for the uh, production, you pay for the engineering assistance, you pay for the music video, you pay for distribution. And then as an artist, usually your payouts don't come um, immediate, they come quarterly. So you're dishing out a large investment, which costs a couple thousand dollars, at least if you want to promote a record independently and then you could just let it put it online with no strategy or promotion it's just going to sit and nobody gives a fuck so you really have to think of what you want to tailor to that's why like when i'm making adam sandler here here we go my next record which i didn't tell anybody yet is i got a mark Wahlberg freestyle dropping too oh. so it's just funny because i just another another actor and former artist that I was like, no, I rock with all his projects. Let me just do something for fun. So there's strategy behind it too, because he's active on social. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'll tag him as well. Mm -hmm. And he's into the municipal. fitness. Yeah, little mini municipal t-shirts and shit. So, but I mean, aside from that, like you kind of just have to know what your end game is. I feel like for all these Halloween ciphers, I was a massive world star head coming up. Um, like I just was a fan of the platform because I thought like, all right, world star hip hop was the mm. biggest way that artists were getting popping so i built a relationship with them and it came to the point where when i had i felt like i had something that can go viral i worked with them and it did um when it came to the you know mtv super sweet 16 thing i was popping on myspace a girl reached out to me and she was just like you you ever performed on tv you want to fly out to texas i'm 16 17 she's like you want to perform with chris brown baby bash all these people and i was like sure uh, why not yeah i was like hell yeah you know and i had no experience doing it. i just said yeah and, were you nervous um, though did you believe in yourself nah, at that time? i was cocky at that time yeah i was cocky i wasn't nervous at all baby bash wanted to come on my float too and and i was like nah you can't come here type of thing yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i was just um i just i started getting like super passionate and, and loved it so i was like i said saying yes to everything um you know, sometimes you drop projects with no intentions to like, oh, I'm going to make a TikTok dance and hope it goes mm -hmm. dancey and viral. Like a lot of times when it's really organic and it hits, you can you can tell when people uh, drive to it. But there is always a strategy behind it. Like like I said, don't put out a project with no money behind it or something like mm -hmm. it's just going to sit. So um, you really have to narrow into your market narrow into what your end game is and kind of see what the best route you can do to get there. Wow. How many, um, so you always hear the, the success stories of about uh, what's the number of CV 10,000 hours or something Yeah. like putting in 10,000 hours before yeah. you kind of make it. Yeah. What, how many, how many hours would you say that you were putting in before you had your first break? And how many times did you say, man, maybe this rap game isn't for me and maybe I should just kind of quit? Yeah, um, uh, I don't even know the hour count at this point. It's probably triple that. That 10,000 hours I mastered three times probably. I mean, I was a just a, a hip-hop head. If I wasn't writing or producing, I was just like obsessed with hearing, learning how to do everything. Oh, you don't know how to rap fast like Twista? Learn how to do it. Da -da 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 -da. Yep, and learn yep. your flows better. Learn um, how to perform better live. Like I was just in it and not what i still am but i feel like i mastered it and not to the point i get it i'm not out here i'm not a drake or something uh popularity wise but i've never been about the popular side it's just i don't care um even though it has benefits to it um definitely i put in a lot of time and it was because i loved it it's not mm -hmm. because i was like i i gotta go to school for this or something it was just because i loved it and it's what kept me it was my safe zone it was it's something that I just enjoyed and it was probably been one of the best things in my life as well. So 
Uh, but yeah, as far as um, catching a break and not seeing success and then thinking to yourself, like, what am I doing out here? Like, that happens probably 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Behind the scenes, you're just yeah. like, uh, man, here we go. I dropped, you know, another video and I only got X amount or my shit is so much more popping i put in a lot more my i'm having bars and these guys are just like squealing on tracks like what's going on and (laughs) and and then you see things shift but you can't be mad at them or you can't attest your views to your success or something like that Mm -hmm. um you just have to appreciate what comes out of it and sometimes it hits and sometimes it is what it is and you should just feel happy with how far you got with it yeah um in terms of uh the side hustle right so again i like to we're specifically talking about music industry but i feel like it's so applicable to any industry that you're in, yeah. what would you say, when when is the right time to make a financial investment in yourself when you're running like a side business or side hustle of some sort like that? Because you have to have some practice before you put the money in, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, in my opinion, yeah. but was there like a moment where you were like, all right, you know what? I'm confident enough to put the money in because I hear a lot of people who have these great ideas with things, right? And then they never end up like, really making the financial investment and you know for for there's an old school saying about like you know make sure that you put a dollar amount to everything because of that responsibility right like giving out free stuff is cool but there's no like real investment in yourself yeah so i'm curious about that on the music tip um yeah i mean for you it's music right but for anyone else it's the same principle like you have to practice Mm -hmm. before you make a financial investment in yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it depends which which way you're looking at it. In a personal tip, I'll tell you this much. If you can't, the old saying, if you can't buy it twice, don't buy it once. You know, make sure you're you're a little okay. Life comes with a lot of emergencies. Mm-hmm. Life be lifing out here. So <laughs> just, uh, just make sure you're set first because I'm not trying to play the safe game. A lot of people want to be like, ah, oh, you just throw it out there, take the risk, oh, you know? Yeah, no. Uh, nah, <laughs> balance yourself out. There's more things to life than opening your food truck. You know, it's like, or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, make sure your family's good. Make sure you're good. Make sure you got that safety because shit happens yep. and learn what interest is and learn not <laughs> to pile your cards and get some financial literacy in your life. So, you know, what your investments are actually worth first. Right. Um, and a lot of times people don't know, especially when you're young and they barely teach it in school. It's just like, Hey, I have a credit card. Here's a limit. Uh, yeah, twenty six percent. Yeah, and there's something called interest, and now you're like, wait, why? Why am I, am I still paying this shit off for ten years? Yeah, um, just get your knowledge straight first. But on the risk side or on the music side, for me, um, well, up until I was twenty four years old, I had a hundred dollars in my bank account. Like I was fluctuating from the same spending it, reinvesting it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have the knowledge myself until. I was like, fuck that. I'm going extra hustle. I don't care if I got to be dirty with what I sell on the side. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care what I'm hustling at this point. I'm going to get the flipping out here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got situated and then I was like, all right. Um, other thing you got to consider is time. You never mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. Um, I was getting sick a lot. I was getting um, a lot of family members. I have a huge family. What comes with a lot of families, death as well. I was just seeing time fly and seeing things happen. And I was like, yo, I got to make moves. I always wanted to retire my dad or retire my parents. And I was like, all right, this is the time. So I think just um, feeling confident in yourself and and knowing the balance between being safe, but also taking that risk. Like It's just a threshold to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, music side, though, like I said, you you have to 
you need the confidence in yourself. If you're not confident in yourself, the funny thing is about music is people just wake up one day and they're like, I want to be a rapper or I want to be a singer, right? Unless your parents really grew up engraving that in you like mm -hmm. people do with sports and stuff. So you have to be naive enough and you have to be confident enough to be like, I'm good enough for this shit or I, people really care about what I have to say. Can you imagine that? Yeah, you're that yeah. fucking confident and cocky to be like, you're going to have to care about what I say on a song and you're going to like it. Like, so you, you just need that in you as well. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a good way to, to think about it. Um, what I love about you and your story too, is how you embrace the, uh, you know, building this on the side as you stayed in the game, right? We always hear about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Always hear about it. Um, I think it's one of the most overused words literally in society today because not many people are built for the entrepreneurship game. Yeah. Even myself, right? What we do here is entrepreneurial, but my backbone, CV's backbone is what's called entrepreneurship, right? Being a part of an organization that's already successful to learn the skills necessary mm -hmm. to then eventually branch out on your own, right? And every time I, I speak to the youth, I always tell them this because they see the TikTok world now. They mm -hmm. see the Instagram success. Mm -hmm. They think it's overnight success yeah. where a lot of the guys who are successful, they've taken entrepreneurial skills and applied it to an entrepreneurial mindset, right? So what would you say in business has been, I guess, your your best, um, I don't know, learning experience that you've been able to leverage to grow your, your side hustle? Yeah, it's just what you said. No, take away the thought or hope for instant gratification. You go, it's a long-term game. If you're blessed enough to have a long-term opportunity or a life, my favorite thing I've been doing, like I said, I'm a self-proclaimed retirement guru. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk <laughs> so to me. So I'm, I'm big. Anybody wants to know, yo, I'm never going to be a millionaire. I'm never going to achieve this. Like, even though nowadays a millionaire ain't yeah, enough. It's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I'm still I'm still chasing certain figures, of course. Why would I ever stop? Like, But my main thing, I'm like, yo, get your – it's a long-term game. So, yeah, a lot of people get lucky with stuff, and, and if you have that – like you said, risking you and you want to try to get lucky, go ahead, get lucky. But if you want to make sure you retire a millionaire and make sure mm -hmm. you got it like that, go look at history. That's all you have to do. Look at history. Um, there's There was challenges in the past where uh, certain people like challenged the best um, people in the stock market. Oh, try to beat this 7% average, for mm -hmm. example, on the standard retirement fund. Uh, 90 years later, like 1% actually achieve that. So yeah. the long-term game of just, you know, learn what a Roth IRA is, uh, put your money into a 401k if you have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, just like I said, it comes down to financial literacy and, and playing it long-term. Anybody could retire a millionaire, whatever it's going to be worth by then, whatever. What happens is a lot of people are like, oh, I don't got it right now. or I, I don't have, I can't put that extra hundred bucks, 200 bucks a month to gain the APY on it or whatever. Yes, you can. Like, uh, and if you think, oh, I can just save it by myself on the side anyway, I haven't met one person that saved more than my my growth accounts have gotten me without yeah. paying attention to and not saying it any any negative way. I don't got it down perfect. I just know it's been working for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just know it works and it's what I, I can push towards people. Long-term gains, long-term investments and just being patient with it because you can still hustle achieve what you can 
in the now present time. And if you have opportunities, keep taking them. If you got to cough up a little more cash, try it, whatever, but make sure you have your shit set for later on in life. Yep. And that, that's a, that's a great point. So even, even for, for me and my industry, right. I'm local government. So the, the, um, the opportunity is limitless when it comes to long-term investment. Right. But you would be, it would be absolutely, it was mind blowing to me, the amount of employees that when I first stepped into the town, had no idea what a retirement fund was. And I specifically went around to their desktops and gave them a formula of what I was doing with just 3% of my check. Five, 10 years later, every single one of these employees, Mm -hmm. they come back and they say, thank you very much. You know, and that's not a toot on me. I received that information from somebody at a young age and then it's each one teach one, you know, but you don't have that opportunity if you just wake up one day and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. No, that's it. No you way. know, I'm just going to yeah. do that because there's no benefit package, right? 401k is dope. That's a match program. Yeah. Um, and a lot of a lot of businesses provide that. So if you're working in that industry and you happen to start building your side, it's the I think it's the way to go. Yeah. Um, I think people make a lot of mistakes by just waking up and saying, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. That's mm-hmm. cool. Go do your own thing. Yeah. But you should still be doing someone else's thing, too, while you're making money. Well, I know entrepreneurs right now who are, have businesses that pull in 30000 40000 a month, mm-hmm. but it only covers their current living and right. lifestyle. So their bank accounts are pretty much nothing. Right. And it's like, God damn, your business is very successful. And I get it. Starting a business, it may be like that. And yo, keep going, you know, because it's going to end up well for you. But it's still... If you only want to be an entrepreneur, just know what it comes with as well, which is that, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's that 30, 40 grand, probably going back to your business. Not probably, I've seen it myself. Yeah. And, it, and you know, I'm, I'm just, I just know what I'm doing is currently working. And, and same thing, my company put me onto that, which right. is like, oh, this is something called a 401k and we'll give you a free 5% match. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I can play with my own contributions. Let me see the best way to learn this and, yeah. and, and do it. And then I was like, wait, stocks there's blue chips that only go up look at a look at history history does not fail you you'll see it repeat itself you'll see the trends learn a trend man like you'll see (laughs) what happens every four years what happens during certain um when am i supposed to buy this wait till it's slow wait work with the economy you kind of just got to make your own best judgments but um there's definitely a huge learning curve to it which gets missed because it's not really taught it's not school. taught yep and it's just very odd i think maybe now even simple things i didn't want to i was just setting my own bank account for a while it's like all right this is my bank right mm-hmm. this is what i just had my whole life where you're telling me i'm missing out on a 4.25 percent apy i'm i have 100 racks right now making me 10 cents a month when I can be <laughs> at least making me 400. It's, it's a little things, but yeah. it's like, just take advantage of every free opportunity, right. you know? And, and still there's people in my company and, and there's people just that I know that think they can outbeat a 401k or just they'll be better than that. Yo, go for it. Mm-hmm. But just know that small 5% investment might keep you very safe yeah, yeah. later in life. Um curious in, in terms of your organization, what do they actually match up to? 18% or something like that? They'll match 5% a check. Yeah. 5% a check. Yeah, okay. 5% gotcha. of your Very own cool. 5%. Yeah. Yeah. But I go ham on my own private things, you know. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um where did, I should have probably asked you this earlier in the episode. How did Twiz come about? <laughs> right? I, w- I want to know. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um same thing. I was like freshman 
in high school. And for some reason, I don't know why schools do this, man. We They combined sixth grade to 12th grade in my school. <laughs> so I was... I Shortage was, of teachers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was tough. But I got into playing sports and stuff. And then for some reason, one year I was like, I want to play basketball. <laughs> I, I wasn't all that in basketball. You know, yeah. I was a soccer guy, but I just liked it. And I just remember I did some like spin move shit. Like, <laughs> I, I, you, uh, you twisting around young twiz or something like that. <laughs> okay. So just people around school because of basketball, you know, just started calling me twiz or whatever. And then it just became my nickname in school. And I just took it and kind of ran with it type of that's shit cool. yeah, yeah. I, I love stories like it's that. just mad random but no it, i mean but took, that's what that's what makes people man you know yeah. we we take um for granted people's stories and their upbringing yeah. and then when it's yourself you think that's not a significant story yeah but that is going to be inspiring to somebody who's listening to this who's yeah. a young kid coming up yeah. that they have a, a funny nickname that yeah. came out and they might be like Oh, that's it right there. Yeah. You know that I, I tell this story on the podcast all the time. We were supposed to be original fitness and finance until we quickly realized we're not the fittest or the richest dudes in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one day in the morning, I come out. It's like 445. I look into the camera on Snapchat and I say, no snooze, baby. Come on. And the people who were up at 5 a.m. at that time, they did hashtag no snooze. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, oh, wait, that's it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. little things like that. There's little stories that yeah. I think. Over time, it, it makes it makes sense. Yeah, completely random here. Um, what's your? Give me your your top song of all time. Uh, statistically, or my favorite, or no, this is you personally. Like what you enjoy singing. So for me, it's definitely uh, it's a it's a toss up between Juicy, right, mm -hmm. Biggie, mm -hmm. and Mo Money Mo Problems, and now Fast Car by Luke Combs. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> damn. I, I think one of my favorite songs is OJ's Forever Mine. I be knocking the OJ's all the time. Forever Mine. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm 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 a certified lover boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. But okay. as far as that genre goes, hip hop wise, let's see what I grab to every time. Cause it's funny, like I don't really know a lot of new artists right now and I don't mean to be ignorant to it. I no, just love the generation mm -hmm. we came up with. Um Yeah, I'm I'm a big biggie head too. Yeah? Yeah. I don't even know if I could pick one of his songs, but yeah, uh, it's tough. It's tough because I'm just such a hip hop fan. Like I, I, I'm never able to rank who's your top five or yep. who's your best song. So kind of got me stumped on that one. But as far as um, like, what would you if you if you had to go on karaoke right now with no yeah. lyrics, what are you choosing? Oh, I have two karaoke songs. What is it? And they're not my favorite. Well, what is I it? One, I get canceled if I do now, so I can't do it. It was R. Kelly Ignition Remix. <laughs> so, the remix to yeah. Ignition. Second one yes, that yes. will get anybody going is Lil John Get Low. Okay. I hit that with any crowd. All right, I, 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 like pulled, I pulled out that. I'll get that canceled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once I said it in the barbershop, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yo, get this dude yeah, out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm not like, cutting his hair. Yeah. But Lil John Get Low. That's, that's my shit. Yeah. That's funny, man. Um, So you came up. You said with three sisters? Yeah. You have any brothers? No brothers. All right. So what's the what's the the lesson that you've learned from all these women in your life over the course of your 33 years? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy how and so I, growing up I was always like, oh, I wish I had a brother. You know, I just wanted that extra hand that, you know, anytime we had issues. But my friends became my brothers. I have so many cousins, they became my brothers. And actually I'm happy because uh, I got everything to myself as far as like, I wasn't <laughs> fighting someone for food or any shit <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, growing up with sisters definitely made me um, uh, very, I feel like I'm very 
just sensitive with women. So I, I like to respect their space and I understand how they navigate. To the other side, my sisters are, all, all three of them are probably tougher than me. Like they got <laughs> my dad's side there. Some, they have a switch to them. Like, um, and they're all same thing. Right now they're chasing entrepreneurship and they pretty made it pretty successful themselves and they're just tough. So seeing them go through everything, you know, a lot of, a lot of people just feel like, oh, the man's the tough dude and the man holds mm -hmm. it down. And like, yeah, we do. We thug out a lot of shit. We don't go to therapy. We just thug shit out. Right. But so they do as well. And especially like my oldest sister, like she has been through some shit and just being like, all right, she could get through it. I could get through it mm -hmm. type of thing. So just being around them, seeing them hustle and um, just feeling more like uh, respectful towards them in general and shit. And they, they put me in check. Like, I feel like women will tell you a little more straight up, especially when you're a guy like, Yo, what are you doing? With what are you doing? With <laughs> you know, sometimes guys don't know how to like um, communicate as well. Obviously, yeah. I feel like whereas women will tell you, you know, what they're thinking and, and give you their best interest, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. tend they tend to mature a little bit, a yeah, little bit yeah, faster sure. than us. Are you ever so before you release music? Yeah. Are you like? yo, sis, listen to this. And then have they ever been like, yo, Rob, this is trash. Turn this off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious. I think earlier coming up when I was trying to get people's <laughs> opinions yeah. and stuff, I was like, oh, what do you think about this one? And that's how it, kind of, it actually kind of helped me. Like, oh, girls like dancing to this stuff more. Why am I not? Like, it's kind of how I got into like reggaeton music more. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we kind of, my sister's in Miami. She's like, make this type of music, you know? Or um, she, it just reminds me what the broader fan base, like, I just keep making hip hop and it's like, you know, there's women who like music, right? So see what they kind of gear themselves. And it's funny, like we'll go out and they're like, oh, play, play, they'll play their own brother's shit, play my mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, what song are they going to play? And then it's like, oh, they like this because the beat. So even though they don't tell me this is their favorite, I can tell what they're kind of like uh, navigating to as well. And because yeah. a lot of people, especially women, they listen for beats and they like how music makes them feel. Right. Opposed to us, sometimes we just dig into the lyrics a little yes. bit more not to split genders or anything, mm -hmm. get canceled twice in like 10 yeah. minutes, but it's just what I feel as far as my observation goes. Yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. Um, damn. I had something that I was going to ask you that was, Oh, what's the, uh, what, what's the age range between you guys? Oh, we're like pretty, age gap. pretty big gap. So my oldest sister, it's actually her birthday this Friday. She Happy is, birthday, sis. yeah, she's about 10 years older than me. I got another sister who's about, um, I'm saying about, how do I not, they're seven, eight years young, younger than me. <laughs> so you got to get their You're gap. You're going to get is, canceled three times, my yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get canceled from my own family. But like, so if you think from my youngest sister to my oldest, it's damn almost a 20-year gap. Gotcha. And then I have a older sister who's only like a year and a half older than me. Cool. And um, we came up the closest. But yeah, so that was like yeah. my, you know, twin growing up pretty yeah. much. But yeah. That's awesome. No, I love learning about people's family dynamics. I have a, a brother and sister as well. We're five and five and six years apart. Um, but now, like growing up, we weren't really that tight. I was always me kind of taking care of them, you know, because yeah. of that that gap. But now, as we get older, we're like tighter than ever. Yeah, which is which is cool. But I'm happy I wasn't my brother because my sister's only like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So she was always like, "Oh, Matt, your friends are cute." And I would have been like, "Pow." <laughs> Get yeah. Albanian on them real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, give us something that you uh, before we wrap up that you haven't uh, that you haven't shared on here about about anything about anything you want to talk about. Um, it could be some advice that you've received that you know to be true. Anything like that? I'd like to open the floor to you. Yeah, that's a good question. Let's <laughs> see. Um, 
I mean, as far as his new things, not really advice, but you know, like I said, I'm working on my new project. Yeah, what, um, what's what's next for for yeah, Rob Twiz? Yeah, I'm gonna drop some some new joints, get the algorithm back because I've been a little quiet on the socials, which is strategic, and it's also because I'm trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. You know, the music business is ongoing and growing. A lot of a lot of content is just short form now. It's not like people are appreciating like large music video production right. and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to relearn and, and like you said, m- make the right strategy for the next investment or whatnot. So I got the next project done. Um, still mixing records, still trying to add on a couple more records. So definitely looking forward to dropping um, a couple new freestyles and then my next single. But um, just kind of getting into more genre mixing. And um, yeah, I got the new new project is called regrets from a rocking chair it is something that i always think about when i'm in the gym i think about certain family members that passed away i'm like i'm tired doing a push-up they can't do a fucking push-up like just do it you know um same same thing with the music it's just like i'm thinking when i'm old one day i'm like i can't even that's it like what what i look back and accomplish like what did i do why say no to all these things that mm-hmm. i just have opportunities to do so i don't know if it's a weird way to think if it's uh, I don't know. I just don't want to miss out on certain things or make the wrong decisions. So I guess my only advice would be, you know, try your best. Yeah. That's the only thing I can tell you. And o- Kobe had one of the best quotes, which I'm probably going to misquote because I'm whatever. It, it, main thing he said is you only can stress what you have control over. And that's what I try to remind myself over and over. I fuck that up all the time. Because I just, it's just natural. You stress certain things, but only try to stress what you have control over and try your best. That's all I can say. A lot of times I was almost not going to do something. And I was like, let me just try. Let me just fucking try. And a lot of times it worked out to my favor and I shocked myself. And yeah, that, that's that's my best. Um, yeah, I think the most impactful thing that you said for me, because I struggle with this too, is when you go through that tough time, right? Where you're going through a loss like, like you shared with us earlier it was okay to take that pause, yeah. you know, and it's okay to not be okay. Right. And that's a principle that I've tried to apply in my own life because I've taken some big losses in my life. And then the very next day I'm just using it as fuel, trying to use it as fuel, yeah. but I'm not really. And what I respect about you so much is the fact that you were able to say, nah, you know what? I don't want to use this right now as fuel. Everybody, everybody copes differently mm-hmm. with adversity. Um, and I, I truly believe that you always will come out on the other side and you will learn to leverage it, but it needs to be on your time. And that was the biggest takeaway for me, Rob. Uh, I want to say thank you for for yeah. coming on to the podcast and, and sharing everything with us. Um, I learned a, a lot about you. I'm excited to to learn even more. Yeah. If you can, just let everybody know where to find you. Yeah, I got you. No, I appreciate you having me. And my main thing is I don't want regrets from a rocking chair. It's no price tags when I browse like the rocks in here. <laughs> I ain't trying to bond with you. I'm trying to get stocks in here. But all I see is Carl Malone's and John Stockton's here. Damn, at least my name got a ring to it. Walk around Brooklyn and Yonkers, it ain't a thing to it. No snooze, Doug. You know how the team do it. I'm going to get rich and stop trying. That's my theme music. Oh. There we go. <laughs> Something oh. like that. Oh, no, no, no I like that. Drop. Um, I like that. Yeah, now nah, you can find me on all the platforms. Actually, now nah, my Facebook just got hacked, so don't look for me on there. We got canceled on there. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is the R. Um, Kelly thing. Yeah, 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 R. Kelly canceled me on Facebook. Damn. But now, nah, Instagram uh, slash Rob Twiz, R-O-B-T-W-I-Z-Z, two Zs on that thing. Google search it. 
everything will pop up. Um, you know, YouTube slash Team Twiz taking advantage of those YouTube shorts. Yeah, man. It, it, it's a nice platform. And um, yeah, Twitter, it's my handle, rtwiz, R-T-W-I-Z-Z. Yeah. So you can find me everywhere. Quick Google search, quick YouTube search. I'm out here and yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, guys, so as, as always, we just ask that you, there's no fee to this show. I mean, if you want to go buy a hoodie, go ahead at nosnewshop.com. But we ask that you share this show. Um, that's the only way that we really grow is word of mouth. We do like that old school uh, mindset. Yes, the platforms are great, but please, if you listen to this and you take some value from it, whether we made you laugh, whether we made you cry, whether you wanted to cancel us, share that show <laughs> for us. Um, we we want to just keep uh, keep that no snooze um, platform rolling. All right. So, uh, yeah. Rob, thank you again, my brother. And guys, as always, stop snoozing, get up and get after it. Rob Twizzy on the beat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yo, you think I could do this Luke Combs thing or what? <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. That's another Epi in the Books. You can follow us on Instagram at Most News Podcast and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most News. Shop the latest merch at Most Come on.